Acts 27. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from Adramitium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. From there we put out to sea again and passed to the Lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Snidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salmone. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lassie. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the fourteenth night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was a hundred and twenty feet deep, 
A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last fourteen days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach, where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. Today's devotional is written by John Bodley and read by Sam McDermid. Some years prior to this encounter, Paul had written to the church in Thessalonica, encouraging them to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18. But how could Paul expect us to be thankful in difficult circumstances when we lose our job, receive the diagnosis we dread, when we lose someone we love or when things fall apart? How realistic is it really to be thankful in all circumstances? Acts 27 helps us to see how Paul might have answered that question. Well, yes, it can be hard. I remember that time I was on my way to Rome to be tried by Caesar and found myself starving on board a boat that was falling apart in the middle of a fierce storm, with a crew that wanted to jump ship and surrounded by soldiers that were planning to kill me. Sounds pretty bad, Paul. How on earth did you get through it? Well, I gave thanks for the bread in my hand and God's promise that we would survive the shipwreck. I chose to be thankful in all circumstances. Paul understood that thankfulness is a choice. Someone once said that as Christians, we can either be like a thermometer, simply reflecting the spiritual temperature around us, or a thermostat, seeking to influence the environment around us, setting the temperature. In this passage, Paul behaves like a thermostat. Rather than panic like the people around him, he tries to establish an environment of hope and thankfulness on board. 
He reassures the crew that they will survive and he level-headedly encourages them to eat. And in the midst of the storm, he gives thanks to God for the food and for the promise of deliverance through the storm. Even though he is the onboard prisoner, he emerges as a source of hope, stability and leadership. When we, as followers of Jesus, behave like thermostats, especially in the midst of trials, people around us recognise the hope and confidence we have and they find it reassuring and attractive. When it's all kicking off at work, when our wider family is in the midst of crisis, when our community is rocked by difficult events, we have the opportunity, as Paul did, to bless those around us with the love, hope and encouragement of Jesus. Paul's confidence was bolstered by the reassurance of the Holy Spirit. Take a moment now to wait in his presence. Invite the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Paul wrote, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In Jesus, we always have a reason to be thankful that is greater than any challenges we face. Take a moment to reflect on these words, express thankfulness to Jesus for the love and grace he offers you. What environment might God want you to be a thermostat, someone who changes the atmosphere around you for good? Where might he be inviting you to bring hope, thankfulness or joy? Ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen and encourage you to do this. Let's finish with prayer. Lord, we ask that you would strengthen us and help us to be a people of hope and confidence, even in the midst of trials. Thank you, Lord, that you fill and empower us with your spirit. Help us to live lives that make a difference for you.